Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Well, good evening, Paradigm. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us this Tuesday. Um, If this is your first time, I promise we don't always have five people up here giving a message. So this is a pretty unique night, and we're so thankful that you're joining us. Uh, These are some of my friends. Uh, I've known some of them for a long time, some of them just a few years. Uh, We're excited about tonight, um, but before we get going, um, let me explain where we are in this series. Uh, We're in a series right now called One Night Standards. Um, the first, this is a four-week series. This first week, uh, Chad came out. He knocked it out of the ballpark and talked about three lies that the culture tells us about dating. Uh, then he talked about love standards. This word love, it's abused by our culture. And he explained what is love and, and what is lust. And these two things, they seem to be kind of gray. Um, and then he talked about last week uh, how to date biblically. Uh, what does it look like to date biblically? Because this is a thing in the Bible that it's not necessarily black and white. And we need wisdom, biblical wisdom, to navigate uh, this season that a lot of us are in tonight. Um, But before we get going, I want to make sure that we introduce the panel tonight. Um, So why don't you go first? Yeah, so I am Andy Ward, and I am a firefighter, uh, paramedic. Yeah! Uh, Luke wanted me to share that that I'm single, so... (laughs) So I am not a firefighter, but my name is Matthew. Um, This is my beautiful wife, Kayla. And um, I guess I like playing Call of Duty with my boys at night, so. As Matt mentioned, my name is Kayla, and we have the sweetest, almost one-year-old baby girl, Olivia. And so she's a lot of fun. Um, I am a real estate agent here in Kansas City, and we are so excited to be here back at Paradigm. Um, my name is Amber, and I'm not as cool as Andy. Thanks, guys. Um, I work in a financial advising office. So. They are hype for you. Awesome. So thankful you guys are here. Let's jump right in. Matt, I'm going to have you answer this first question. As you guys know, some of these questions were texted in throughout the series uh, to a phone number. So, Matt, I'm going to have you answer this one. And this is the question. Uh, I am single but desire to be married. What should I look for in a significant other? All right. Well, first, I want to say I'm not perfect, and my dating life before Christ was kind of crazy, Um, probably like a lot of y'all out there. um, I was looking for the wrong things, Um, a lot of skin deep and uh, just shallow. Um, But after I found Christ, that all changed. Um, Let me say this to the guys real quick. If you're looking for a trophy wife, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Find a woman who wants to be on her knees and pray with you and get through the hard times because it's going to be tough. But if you pray through it, you'll get through it. Um, But first, let me answer that question real quick. Yeah. I say one, you have to abide. I'm going to give four things. You got to abide. Be in the word daily. Um, Build habits to where you're not surviving without getting the word. Like I know a few guys who don't survive without coffee in the morning. Make sure you're in the word daily. Two, find community. Find a good group of guys or girls. Um, to where they can 
point out your blind spots, the things that you don't do well, the things that you say one thing, but you do something completely different. Find someone who can point that out for you. That is so important throughout dating, throughout marriage, throughout life. Um, and I would say third is give your time away. Give your time, treasures, and talents away. And what I mean by that is find, if you're not serving at Paradigm, serve at Paradigm. If you go to Abundant Life, serve at Abundant Life. But find some place where you can serve that's bigger than yourself and that you're giving your time away and you're serving for the mission of Jesus, not for yourself. Um, that, that's huge uh, because once you get married, little things change. You have kids, things like that. Um, and then last but not least is pray. Pray about it. The Bible says, cast your cares to the Lord because he wants to give you good things. But if you don't pray about it, you don't ask him, how is he going to know? He wants to have a relationship with you in a conversation. Give That's it to good. Him. That's good. Let me just point something out. If you didn't catch this, I asked him, uh, what should you be looking for in a significant other? And he said very little, actually, about that. He only said things about what you should be because you cannot control what other people are, Right. So, so often we're so quick to deflect instead of reflect on ourselves and become the man or woman of God uh, that we need to be. Uh, Kayla, would you add anything to what Matt said? Yeah, um, I remember being in some of your guys' seats um, desiring marriage, and it's a great thing to desire, but if we're not careful, it can easily become an idol, the, the idea of marriage, um, because it is tough and it does take work, but... I think one thing I want to hit first is if you're, you have to be okay with where God has you right now, whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship, you have to be okay with that and, he, and trust that he's using you exactly where you're at. Um, but when you are pursuing somebody, the most important thing is that they're following Christ um, and not just saying that they're a Christian, but actually walking it out. They're in community. They're serving others well. They're loving others well. Um, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it tells us don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so when Matt and I were dating, I had the opportunity to just watch him live out his life and, and see, that, see how he was in community with others um, when we were in a group setting and see him serve others and be in the Word daily. And so he continues to do that, and that was a huge foundation in our relationship. Um, anyone can say they're a Christian, but you need to watch and see how they walk it out. That's good. Uh, they're OG paradigmers. They've seen several of these dating series, so it almost sounds like they're reading Chad's notes right now. So, hey, Amber, uh, I want you to answer this first question as well. Yeah. Um, so before I get to answering the question, I just wanted to say that I can really relate to Matt and just that I've had quite the history with dating before Christ and full transparency, I was in a three and a half year relationship that was impure and that was dishonoring to God. And so I don't want you to look at any of us and think that, you know, that we're perfect, we haven't figured it out or that we've never um, messed up in any of these areas because that's just simply um, not true. And so I feel like God has just grown me a ton and has taught me a lot. So we just wanted to share some of those things with you and um, kind of on this topic to the question now, um, a verse that I just think about is um, Matthew 633, um, which just says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And so I think when we're thinking through um, kind of like our non-negotiables or things that absolutely have to be true of a significant other, this should be at the top of the list, um, because when somebody is pursuing God first, they're putting Christ at the center of their life, they're becoming more like him, 
all those other things are going to be there as well. They're going to follow. So um, as they're seeking to be more like Christ, they're going to be um, more compassionate, more servant-hearted, more sacrificial. Um, so I think that's one important thing to look for. Um, and another thing was just, would just be that they are making disciples. And um, I just think this is important because not only is making disciples um, just a sign of maturity in Christ, but I've had some of my mom friends tell me that um, there's nothing better than, you know, investing your life into someone and um, helping them to mature in Christ that will get you ready to um, raise your own family one day like making disciples. And so if you want somebody who's going to be a great mom or dad to your future children, I would be looking for somebody who's made disciples. So um, I think one thing that's important to kind of note there is that somebody who has these qualities is going to be looking for somebody who also has these qualities. So it's great. Andy, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, kind of to piggyback off what Amber said, um, and as I said earlier, I'm in this season looking for uh, a potential spouse. Um, so one thing I've heard said through some books I've read on dating is that you should become the person you're looking for is looking for. So kind of what everybody's talked about, you need to look at yourself. Like, if you want to marry a godly woman, are you a godly man? Do you deserve a godly woman? So uh, bring it back to yourself. And one way that Christ uh, said in his word about this is, uh, you'd know a tree by its fruit, talking about a person. So you'd know from what fruit they're bearing. And fruit, as we've said, is uh, like serving in your church, having biblical community, um, making disciples, and... Uh, it's important that you have those, the groundwork, because as you get married, your life's going to get busy, and you need to have those as your foundation. So uh, just a book that I've been reading, it's called uh, Sacred Search by Gary Thomas. I would highly recommend it if you are on the Sacred Search. So That's great. Uh, so to simplify basically this answer, what they just said is, number one, this seems obvious, but they need to be a Christian. They need to be following Jesus, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And number two is to become the person that you desire to be uh, finding, like Andy put it so well. Uh, if you're a woman, let me give you a couple verses. Um, number one is Proverbs 31. If you haven't read that passage, you need to read that passage. That's a great place to go. Another one is 1 Peter 3. Um, if you don't know my story, my wife's a big reason why I came to Christ. And 1 Peter 3 says that wives, she wasn't my wife at the time, but it was so obvious that she was following Jesus because of her behavior. 1 Peter 3 is a great place to go if you're a female. Um, if you're a male in the room, 1 Timothy 3. Go to 1 Timothy 3. It's a great place to look. Um, I'd love to sit in that. But hey, we got to get going. Uh, next question, uh, how do I break up with my boyfriend slash girlfriend? Yeah, I'll go. Um... Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you. Now yeah. just... <laughs> so I would start first, but this is what I would do. Um, I would start first by evaluating your reasons why. Why do you, Is there anything you need clarity on before you make that decision? Um, have you processed it with your community group? Because you can sit and process it all you want, but it really helps to have other believers speak into your life and... Um, and to ask questions. And so it shouldn't be a surprise. It should be something that you've been talking through for a while. Um, and then the most important thing is you need to get together with your boyfriend or girlfriend and have an honest conversation with them. 
Tell them why you're breaking up with them. Be truthful, but also be loving too, uh, because you're showing, showing an example of Christ's love as well in that moment, even though it's very hard. Um, and if there are some areas where you need clarity, give them an opportunity to, and it depends on your situation, but give them an opportunity for growth. Give them an opportunity to show you that um, they're serious about their walk with Christ or whatever it is that y'all are arguing about um, and thinking about ending it for. That's good. Matt? First off, we never broke up. Let me just let me say that. Um, but, all right, so I'm going to speak from the guy's perspective because I know it's a boyfriend, but we'll say girlfriend. Guys, you're breaking up with your girlfriend. Um, first, Get in community. I'm going to say this again. Get in community because your community should know about this, not like the day before. They should know weeks before when you're starting to have doubts. This should be something you process multiple times with them, and that you should say, tell them the unmet expectation you're, that they're not meeting. Um, so you want to make sure you're processing that with them. Make sure that you go to that significant other and say, hey, here's what's going on. Like, if it's discipleship, if it's, hey, you're not sharing the gospel, Hey, whatever that is, give them a chance. See if they meet and fulfill that expectation that you're, get, that you're setting. Um, and one, two times, okay, you're bringing it up multiple times. Now here's an opportunity to say, okay, um, Jesus told me to. No, I'm kidding. Um, but be able to say, hey, like here's why we're breaking up. Um, and so it gives them an opportunity to say, okay, I can fix this, and this is important to me. Or, hey, I didn't, didn't know that expectation. I didn't know that was actually called to, uh, upon my life to be able to make disciples. Um, but it will work out well in the end. And then don't do it over a phone call, Snapchat, slide in your DMs or whatever that looks like. Be a man, look her in the eye, and tell her why. It will go a long way. Do the hard things now because marriage, you'll have to do the hard things then. It just builds upon that now. If you're having to DM your girlfriend to break up, we got bigger issues. That's good, man, for real, though. Uh, Andy, why don't you answer this one? Yeah, so I would just say, like, meet up with them, just like Matt said. Meet up with them face-to-face, do the hard thing, and say you want to break up. It doesn't have to be that hard, even though I know it is hard. We just have to face the fact that, you know, we like to slide around and try to Snapchat or slide in the DMs and let's not do that, guys. Let's be men and women of God. So one of the reasons you do that is because you want to do unto others as you would have them do to you. So if you're going to be broken up with, you don't want to text. So do unto others as you would have them do to you, as God's word says. And uh, hopefully you're in community, as Matt said again, uh, in pursuing the Lord. And uh, just one thing that's important is be transparent, be clear with why. Don't be like, God told me to break up or whatever, because ultimately you have a reason that maybe God's revealed to you, but you're the one breaking up with them. And uh, just put that, you're putting value on them when you tell them why. And another thing that I would say is just uh, encourage them if you see them walking with the Lord. Don't, uh, don't just focus on all the negative things, but focus on maybe the good things you see even though it's a hard time. So, it's good. Uh, one thing that I like to say is that clarity on the front end prevents decoding on the back end. So what I'm saying here is that if you are really clear about your expectations, and this is kind of what Matt was saying, and as well as Andy, he's saying just be clear. Like, 
if you're a guy in here and you get one thing tonight, just be clear. Be clear about your expectations. And what I mean is this is where we're going. This is where I'm trying to take this relationship. Following Jesus isn't complicated. It's just hard. Be clear. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says that God is not the author of confusion. And as men of God, we should not be confusing. Um, I have another question. It's kind of weird, the theme that we have in these, so I'm sorry. But it's, uh, my friends need to break up. How should I help them? And I'm going to let... <laughs> yeah, I Y'all want to know. So, Amber, why don't you take this one? Yeah. Um, well, I think it kind of depends. Um, I think it's important to know first, are they Christians? Because if they're not, we can't really hold them to the same standard that we would hold a believer. But I would say if they are Christians, we can definitely hold them to a standard that Christ would have for them. And um, a verse that kind of popped in my head was just um, 2 Timothy 4.2, which just says that we have to um, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And so what you need to do is to approach your friend with great patience, first of all, and even more importantly, God's word is careful instruction. Um, because we need to be patient because God is patient and long-suffering, and he's been that way with us. So we need to reflect that to them and just have genuine concern for them. Um, and then we have to um, have the careful instruction of God's word because God's word is really the only thing that can truly convict someone. Um, but kind of more practically, um, I think you could even start asking them some questions that would kind of help them to um, like self-discover that maybe now would be a good time to break up. So you could ask them, hey, you and so-and-so have been dating for a while. What are some boundaries y'all have put up for purity? Or, um, hey, how have you seen so-and-so push you towards Christ? Or um, you could just start asking them some questions like that that can kind of get those gears turning, that can make them really reflect on the relationship and kind of the direction it's heading in. Um, so I would ask those questions. But another thing I would just challenge them to do um, is just to invite community into the relationship, like was kind of mentioned before. Um, community is so, so, so important. And community can really help to see those blind spots that we don't see or that we just don't want to see in a relationship. And they can speak truth into that. And so um, if, these, if this couple um, isn't in community already, I would just say to encourage them towards community and to um, ask community to speak into their life. But at the end of the day, if they decide not to take your advice, I would just be faithful in prayer for them that God would first break them for, um, through their sin and then also that God's best would be done in their life. So It's good. If you haven't noticed the common theme, I think the word community has probably been said 15 times. It is a serious thing here. Like we mean it whenever we say it. Uh, why don't you take you yeah, something? Yeah, so um, I would ask yourself the question, why do you think they need to break up? Like, is it just because you don't think they're vibing or what, what's up? So it should be, it, you shouldn't be sharing your wisdom with them. You should be sharing God's wisdom with them. You should be pointing them to God's word, to specific verses, whether it applies to that maybe they're sinning or whatever reason why you think they should break up. And hopefully, like, we just were talking about, hopefully this isn't the first time you've met up with them. If you're meeting up for the first time and you're telling them to break up, that's probably not a good sign. Hopefully you've been walking with them through this and bearing the burden with them. And if they do break up, if they listen to the counsel they're given, like walk with them. Don't just, don't just let them be, uh, bear their burden with them. So, yeah. 
It's good. And one other thing that I just want to point out is that you're trying to point people to Scripture, right? And one thing that's just good to have is like Proverbs 27.6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? So what that proverb is saying is that your friends are going to wound you. It sounds weird, right? What it's saying is that if they're your friend and they care about you, they're going to help you. And sometimes a wound is a good thing because they're trying to help you go in the right direction. Um, And you're also saying that scripture is foundational in your life. That's kind of what you're fighting for. And what Chad always tells me is that, hey, sometimes you got to make the Bible the bad guy. And what I mean by that is sometimes the truth of God's word is just going to hurt. But the truth of God's word doesn't change. It's still truth. And even if our culture disagrees or the person doesn't want to go with it, the Bible is true, and, and you want to point people to the truth. If it is foundational, that is what you're pointing people to. Uh, the next question, um, I guess I've been out of the dating game long enough. Uh, is online dating biblical? I guess Matt. I'll take this one, but you know, I've been married too, so uh, I've been out a little bit. Uh, real quick, I, I actually I got her number because I slid in her DMs. And then I hit her up, so like online dating, I, I didn't date, like we didn't date online, but I got her number and went straight to texting her and calling her. Um, and online dating, let me say this, it's not inherently bad, but it can be dangerous. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is you can hide so many things through a profile on Tinder, Bumble, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, so fight to meet someone in person quickly. Um, make sure you are including your com- community, your friends, um, and when you do, uh, go meet that person with them in a public place, be safe, um, because it's so hard uh, to really know somebody through a profile picture. Um, and what I would say as well is, are you, on, are you online looking for a hookup, or are you on there to actually meet up? Um, that's big, because I know as guys, hey, what's the easiest thing we can do is hide who we really are and because hurt people hurt people. Um, and then also, are you putting as much time checking your Tinder or Bumble as you are praying for that person? Um, because you want to make sure that you're bringing God in and the Holy Spirit in on your dating life and in every decision you're making. The wifey. Go ahead. No, you got it. Okay, Uh, Matt did a really great job hitting on the same points I would have told you to, but I just want to um, say it again. I believe just what he said in saying that it is so much easier and so much better to meet someone in person as soon as you can, um, whether you online date or, you know, meet them somewhere. But if you're going to online date, then meet them as soon as you can, but don't do it alone and do it in a public place. Um, Your community should be brought in on this. From the day that you decide to join this, they should know about that. They should be there to ask tough questions and they should um, hold you accountable. And if you want, have them with you in meeting this person. That's gonna be not only safe for you, but also um, gives you someone to tag along to kind of check it out too. Um, Anyone, again, like I said before, can say they're a Christian. They can hide, anyone can hide anything online. And so make sure that you're asking tough questions, that you're meeting this person so you can actually observe how they're walking their faith. 
Amber, is online dating biblical? <laughs> yeah, so I would kind of agree with them that obviously the Bible doesn't talk about online dating. Um, so I would say maybe it's not inherently sinful or bad, but I do think it kind of adds this extra layer of barriers um, to be able to discern whether somebody would be um, good to enter into a God-honoring relationship with. And um, it's like they said, anybody can hide behind a keyboard and, you know, on Bumble or Tinder. Do people still use Tinder? I don't know. Um, but they can hide behind the keyboard and be whoever they want, you know, and you don't know if um, you could be asking all the right questions. You could be asking them about their faith. You could be super intentional with them, um, but you really don't know if they're Googling everything. The, the point is that you just don't really know, um, and it really does just add that barrier. It's a lot harder to get to know someone, and I think that it's really beneficial just to meet someone, you know, person to person, because when you talk to someone, you can tell what they're about, and you can tell what they're passionate about, too, you know, and so... Um, whenever um, you get to observe somebody's life, you can then trust their track record, you know? Um, and so I just think it's super beneficial to be able to observe somebody's life before they even know that you're interested in them. Because I think that we could all agree that if we knew somebody was interested in us, we're all bent a little to kind of act a little bit different. And so if you really want to see somebody's true character, um, I would observe their life um, before they even know that you're interested in them. Because then you could see, is she kind to everyone? Is he servant-hearted? Is she making disciples? You can observe all of these things and really see their true character. And so I would say online dating, not inherently bad necessarily, but I do think it adds an extra barrier that makes it hard to discern whether somebody really will be a, a godly significant other. That's good. So to kind of simplify what everybody said, uh, online dating is not a sin, um, but it is hard to observe that person, and dating is for observation and edification. Uh, it just adds another barrier. That's good. Amber, I'm going to ask you this next question. Uh, can a woman ask a guy out or at least show that she is interested? And I think that there are some people in the room that want to know the answer, so shoot them straight, girl. Yeah, that's okay. Um, well, <laughs> I think that there's some different opinions on this. Um, but I think when things are kind of in a, a gray area, a verse that I like to think about is just 1 Corinthians 10.23, which just says that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And so when Paul wrote this, what he was saying was, you can do whatever you want, but it's not going to work out great, you know? And so kind of like a modern day saying was, is just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know? And so that's kind of what Paul is trying to communicate to us in that. And so um, I would say, ladies, if you were to ask a guy out on a date and he said yes, don't be surprised when he's really passive in your relationship because he's probably going to be. And I think that if he's interested in you and he doesn't ask you on a date and waits for you to do it, I think that communicates two things. It communicates first that he is not committed to pursuing you. And then it also communicates that he is not committed to leading out well. And both of those things are so important in dating and marriage. And so that's definitely something to think about. Um, and I think when it comes to showing interest, I just also don't think this is something that's super beneficial either, just because for me, I know that if I was constantly trying to get a guy's attention, if I was trying to show him that I was interested, um, that would really communicate two things about me. It would communicate, one, um, that I'm not trusting in God's timing, and then two, um, that 
yeah, that I'm just really struggling with contentment. And I think that we are so used to always waiting for this next season, like, you know, when I get that job or whenever I get married or whenever I have kids, then I'll be happy, then I'll be satisfied. And until we learn to trust in God's timing and until we learn to grow in contentment, we're always going to be waiting for the next thing, you know? Um, and so I really think that the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to just wait on God's timing because God's timing ultimately is what's best for us. So. That's good. Anybody else? I'll take this. <clears throat> so you can do it, but wisdom says not to. Um, I think of this as treasures, um, they're meant to be found. They shouldn't be seek to be found. Um, say what that I mean again. What did you say? Say it again. Treasures are meant to be found. Yeah. They should not be seeked to be found. Um, and what I mean by this is Kayla, for example, I'm going to go after her 100%. Because here's the thing, if she comes after me, what makes it any different that when we get married, if we do, then I'm going to pursue her in marriage. Um, because I'm going to be super passive. If we get an argument, I'm not going to seek reconciliation for her, with her, because I didn't pursue her in the first place. Um, I guess let me lean on this one a little bit. So I have a one-year-old daughter. And if, uh, if she says, hey, Dad, uh, I, there's a guy I want to go ask out. I'm gonna sit her down and I'm gonna feel a little bad that I did not tell her, hey, you're precious, that a man should go after you 100% wholeheartedly, and, and then he, and he should definitely ask me if he makes it past me. Um, <laughs> but, but seriously, I will tell her, hey, you're, you're, you're a treasure, you're beautiful, you should be desired because this man is probably not much of a man if he's not coming after you. And that's how you have to think about it. Women, you guys are amazing. You, like my wife has carried my daughter and hopefully we have more kids. She is the backbone of our family. Um, and she's that way because, hey, my job is to build her up and to make sure she's special. Not, hey, she shouldn't have to come to me and always puff me up. Like I should have confidence in that. And that's the same way that, hey, I should pursue a wife. And that's how you should pursue, pursue someone and do it with respect and love. It's good. And I'm kind of scared, to be honest. Matt's six foot eight. Uh, we should probably just pray for that kid now. Do we want to take help. a minute? Uh, we got a couple more questions. Um, I want Andy to answer this one. Um, I'll explain why. The question is, what if I had my heart broken? Uh, Andy and I, we met a couple years ago, and he shared with me a really, really powerful story. Andy serves here. He's one of our leaders. But I don't think many people know this story. I'd love for you to just share that. And the question was, what if I've had my heart broken? Yeah, so, uh, so I was following Christ and abiding with him and reading his word. And uh, there's this girl out in Colorado that I knew that I was interested in. And so uh, I asked her if she would be interested in pursuing a relationship. And uh, she was. So we... Uh, started getting to know each other. I would travel there. She would travel here every now and then, uh, usually once or twice a month. And uh, it was really good. We, as you guys probably know, Colorado is awesome. I'm a big Colorado fan. But uh, we hiked a lot and just enjoyed being together. And uh, about a year, 
about a year after we started getting to know each other, um, we kind of hit a wall, and there was a, just a time where we weren't uh, growing closer together, and we were kind of just growing stagnant. And so we kind of knew that the long distance had a big part to play with that. And so uh, I ended up deciding to move out there. I sought some counsel, and uh, I got a job out there, and we started just trying to resolve some conflict that we had due to the long distance and just some miscommunications. And so two months after I moved out there, uh, she approached me and just uh, told me that she wanted to end the relationship. And I was pretty heartbroken just because I had put a lot out there by moving out there. Um, and I was just really sad. I'm not really that emotional of a guy, but I cried and cried. and. Uh, I was, it was probably the lowest spot in my life, and um, I'm very thankful because by God's grace, he met me where I was at, and he sustained me during that really rough time, and I uh, just got to read his word, and I was like really hungry for his word, and he was more than faithful to satisfy me, and uh, David says in Psalm 119, verse 71, um, and I can say this with integrity, like David said it. He, he said, it, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And uh, statutes is just like a Bible term for God's standards. So it was literally good. I can look back with full integrity and say it was good for me that I went through that because God taught me so much during that season. And so I kind of want to just... Uh, ask you if you're in a hard spot. If you're single, you want to be married. If you're in a relationship and you know you need to break up, hey, God is there. He's going to go through that with you. You just need to seek him. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to humbly submit to him, and he will be faithful to satisfy you. And Christ, he was enough for me, and he can be enough for you. It's really, really good. Yeah. And uh, Andy, I think sometimes, you know, you're saying that he used it then to sharpen you, um, but he's using it tonight because the reality is some of us in here, we're going through a really tough time relationally. And what Andy just shared is that Jesus is enough. I love that. Um, I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, just the humility to be able to, I call it leading with a limp and just being real with our audience tonight. So if you guys could give it up for our, our uh, panel. And uh, we're going to transition to a video uh, from a young adult um, whose life has been, his standards have been changed. Um, why don't we run that video? Hi, my name is Miles Sarek, and um, I can remember at a uh, young age of eight um, being exposed to pornography. I um, can remember it pretty vividly just because at that moment in time was when really... Um, it, I had that first desire stirred within me um, of seeing that, of experiencing that. So in college, uh, you know, I had a couple serious relationships, but it was after college um, that uh, I had my first pretty serious um, relationship that, that lasted um, about two years. I just remember that I had a friend who told me that, um, that we were doing it wrong, that we shouldn't be living together, um, and I really pursued it against his advice. Um, and, and that relationship 
was probably the most brokenhearted um, I'd ever been and that I'd ever seen someone who I'd been with. And, um, and I don't think it's but anything else of just what the sexual interaction does between you and a, and a woman and what it's meant to do. Um, and ultimately, in my brokenness, I started to recall these things. And so I searched for answers and um, started reading what the Bible had to say about me, about my relationships and how I should pursue them. And that really led me to um, a few faithful friends who were willing to invite me and share what Christ had done. And it was at that moment I saw truly the forgiveness of God and that I deserve justice, but he's given me a way um, to receive his grace that I just broke down and I wept. When I found Christ, everything changed. It's so surreal how God just started to change the desires in my heart. Um, now, that didn't mean like it just went away completely, like those temptations were there and they came knocking at my door every day. They still do. Um, but as I've started to have more brokenness over my past, um, as I've started to see God's healing and restoration through uh, my past and what he's brought me through and that, that pit of, of sexual sin and immorality that he's brought me out of, um, I can truly now see the design for sex that God has. And, um, and I see why it's meant for marriage because of uh, what it does to you and what it does to the people um, that you're with in that um, and the brokenness that it leads to if there is no covenant there. And, um, and I can see the joy in the, on the other side of that. Um, and uh, yeah, the desire that he's changed in my heart, I mean, and being submissive in that area to him uh, has ultimately been um, something that I'm very truly grateful for. Um, and it's helped me realize that, that he has a plan and that his plan is, is, is the right way. Um, I, sometimes we show these videos and you, you want to know if it's fluff. I've had a front row seat to watch that guy's life radically change. It's been amazing to watch Miles um, over the last few years literally take steps of obedience. And really what it is is he's gotten a new standard uh, for his purity, and, and it's been amazing to watch. Uh, we have one more question that was sent in that I want to um, just be a little bit more intentional about, because I think that everyone in here, they want to know the answer. Or at some point, I would say we all have had to ask ourselves this question when it comes to Jesus. And this is the question. It says, I have a terrible track record sexually. Am I damaged goods? And uh, I can stand up here tonight, and I can try and answer that question. But I think that Jesus does a lot better job. Um, there's this woman in John chapter 4. It's called the woman at the well. Um, she's called the woman at the well simply because she's at the well, but this wasn't just any other woman. Jesus, he's with his disciples, and he actually sends his disciples ahead of him. And he says, I'm going to go through this town called Samaria. This woman, she's a Samaritan, and if you know anything about the context of what's going on here, Jesus is a Jew. Samaritans, they would have nothing to do with Samaritans, so much they hated them. 
to the point that if you drank around them or you ate around them, you were considered defiled. So just that, Jesus would have never came around this woman. Number one, she's a woman, but number two, she's at the well at noon. She's at the well at noon because the world would call her damaged goods. We know that because no woman would go to the well at noon because it's blazing hot. She's by herself. All the other women would go in the morning when it's cool. Jesus, he comes up to this woman and he says, hey, can I get a drink of water? So already she's like, why do you want a drink of water from me? You would never drink after me. This woman says to him, sir, why do you want this water? I'm a Samaritan. Don't you know that I'm damaged goods? Maybe you're sitting in here and you're saying, don't you, Jesus, don't you know what I've done? Don't you know that I've slept with that guy? Don't you know that I've slept with that girl? Don't you know that I can't stop watching porn? Jesus, she, he says back to her, if you knew who was asking you for water, he would ask me for water because I can give you water and you're never going to thirst again. The woman replies and says, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And she's saying, this is embarrassing. I come back here every day. I'm damaged goods. Nobody wants to be around me. Jesus, he says, go call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says back to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. Jesus, he's all-knowing, he's God. Verse 18 says, the fact is you've had five husbands. The man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. See, Jesus, he's looking at a woman who's had five husbands. This woman is damaged goods to the world. This is the first person that Jesus revealed himself to. He, he chose a Samaritan woman. By all accounts, she's damaged goods to the world. Jesus, he's, he's rocking this woman's world because she's, she's like, how does he know these things? A Jew would never know anything about me because I'm a Samaritan. So she's like, who are you? You must be a prophet. And Jesus says, no, no, you got things wrong. I'm more than a prophet. The woman says, I know that Messiah. She's saying, you're not the Messiah. He's coming. When he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. Jesus declares back to her, and he changes everything with these words. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And what Jesus just said to this woman is you're looking at him. You're looking at the Messiah Jesus chose damaged goods to reveal himself to you. And you're sitting in the seat tonight and you think that you can out grace? You're wrong. Jesus became damaged goods so you could be made new. Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good people. He came to make dead people alive. And it is not by accident tonight that you're in that seat. You don't know how you got here, but you're here tonight. And there's some of you, you've heard this story before, and you can't shake it. You've messed up. And the world calls you damaged goods, and Jesus calls you redeemed. Jesus, he came on a rescue mission. And whenever I say he hung on the cross and became damaged goods, he became sin. Who's going to pay for our sin? 
Jesus, he is the only way. He says in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's why he had to go to the cross. He's the perfect sacrifice. He hung on that cross. He died. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the grave to be the perfect sin offering. For anyone who's in here who thinks they're damaged goods, you're wrong. I don't know your story, but Jesus does. Bow your heads with me. I want to lead you guys just to reflect here for a few minutes. As we've gone through this series, I think everybody has something going on in their purity or their relationships with the opposite sex. And uh, I just want you to reflect right now. Have you honestly reflected on the fact that Jesus, he came and he died. The world may call you damaged goods. Jesus chose a Samaritan woman to reveal himself to, to the world, the creator of heavens and earth. Honestly, do you know this God? Tonight you'll have an opportunity to respond to a God that came from heaven to die on a cross for your sins. Let me pray that we would. Father, I thank you for my friends in the room. I pray that we would honestly reflect on where our heart is with you. I thank you that you did come on that rescue mission. I thank you that your sacrifice is enough, no matter how damaged we may think we are. I pray that you would help my friends to respond. In Christ's name I pray, amen.